In episode 422 with Bonnie Bliss, we talk about yoni mapping, healing sexual trauma, becoming wildly orgasmic, and so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Guess what, my beautiful friend? My fourth book, Comparisonitis, How to Stop Comparing Yourself to Others and Be Genuinely Happy is out right now. Number one, New York Times bestselling author and social media sensation Jay Shetty said, never before has a book been more needed. Future generations will thank Melissa for shining a spotlight on comparisonitis. And multiple New York Times bestselling author Gabby Bernstein said, since Melissa refers to people who have recovered from comparisonitis as unicorns, I suppose that makes this a sort of unicorn training manual. I'm so grateful that such a manual has arrived. It's been infinitely helpful to me. Head to comparisonitis.com or Amazon to get your copy today. Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because we haven't really spoken much about this on the show before. And today we dive super deep into healing trauma in your womb, sex after childbirth, and in long-term relationships, how to become wildly orgasmic. We redefine pleasure and what is pleasure. We also talk about yoni mapping and so much more. And for those of you that have never heard of Bonnie Bliss, she is a somatic sexologist, pleasure educator, and women's pelvic wellness coach. She has spent the last decade supporting thousands of women all over the world to discover the incredible world within their bodies. She is obsessed with using embodied practices to support our nervous system, let go of stress, release shame and feel more deliciously alive in all areas of your life. She's also the founder of the Yoni Club, a three-month online women's sexual wellness training that over 1,500 women all over the world have taken part in. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. That's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 422. Now let's dive right in. Beautiful Bonnie, I am so excited to have you here today. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oh, I had cacao and berry smoothie with protein powder. Mm, yum. Sounds delicious. It was. Yum, yum, yum. Well, I am so pumped to have you here because this is not something we have dove very deep into on the podcast. We have spoken about it a little bit, but I am really excited to go deep with you today. And one of the biggest reasons why is because during my pregnancy, I had two amazing private midwives and they offered two yoni mapping sessions 
to help you unlock any trauma before you birth. And when I first met with my midwives and they told me this, I was blown away. I thought, wow, that is such an amazing service that they offer. And I went into both of these sessions with no idea what to expect or what was going to come up. And I was so surprised in a good way with what came up. And I was so glad that I did that work and I released it before birth because they were sharing with me that we hold a lot of trauma in our womb, which I know you're going to talk a lot about. And if we don't release that, it can come up in birth, which I want to talk about as well. But before we go any further, can you talk to us about yoni mapping? Because that's essentially what I had done with my midwife. Can you tell us about yoni mapping? What is it? How did you get into it? And why is it so important? Yeah. So yoni mapping is a bit of a catch-all term that's used to describe some kind of massage, usually involving internal massage of the pelvic space. So yoni is a Sanskrit word for vagina. It's something that a lot of people in the wellness field use that word. It could also be called vulva mapping or vaginal mapping or pelvic mapping. But essentially, it's something you can do for yourself. And it's also something that you could go and see and have a practitioner do. It's a little bit of a kind of gray area in terms of practitioners, because it sounds like you had a wonderful experience and that's great. But at the same time, you can imagine in an unregulated field, there's a whole lot of also kind of dodgy people out there who just want to touch vaginas for work. So it's a little bit of a a fine line to kind of know who to trust and who to go to, but it is a modality, a bodywork modality. I've created a modality myself called Yoni Mapping Therapy that I've trained a bunch of about 30 practitioners in who are mostly in Australia, but other parts of the world as well. And they're trained to offer a three-hour session with coaching and, and sex education and pelvic education and whole body massage and then external and internal mapping of the pelvic space, which is, as you said, really helpful to release patterns of tension and numbness and you know there may be certain emotional things there that could be supportive to address through touch and through body work with someone who you feel really safe and connected to a hundred percent so I have shared a little bit about my experience on my pregnancy vlog and on my podcast and on my social media platforms and I got inundated with messages from people saying, I want to go and get this done. Where can I go? Who can I see? And I'm so glad that you brought that up because it is a gray area and it is not something that you just want to go to anyone. You really do need to trust that person and feel confident and comfortable with that person. And I definitely did with my midwife. I don't think I could have just gone to anyone. However, You can do this yourself, can't you, as well? Yes. So that's what I'm most interested in teaching these days. I think for for many years I did bodywork sessions were my main thing. I've worked with many thousands of women. I think I've touched at least two or 3,000 vulvas in my time, which is pretty wild. And it was an amazing part of my journey. And it's definitely what a lot of my work is now based on. But I think 
going for a one-off session is wonderful. And especially when you're pregnant, it can be really supportive, especially when you feel safe and you find someone that you can work with. But for a few reasons, one of them maybe being financial, it's not something that we might do regularly, you know, going to see a practitioner regularly. And my interest is in supporting women to create a relationship with their pelvic space where they can learn to use a wand or their fingers to explore and get to know this internal space, this internal world within us, because you know, a lot of the time we have no idea about the space in between our legs. And if you're having penetrative sex with a partner with a penis, even if you have a partner who is incredible at doing all kinds of different positions, there are still going to be spaces within you that have never been touched. There are still going to be spaces within you that, that you've never touched, that a partner has never touched. And this is what you can do with a curved wand and with knowing a bit more about your pelvic anatomy. You can discover how to connect with these spaces, how to release tension from the muscles and ligaments there, how to bring more sensitivity and internal pleasure. Because a lot of the time with sex, people believe that what they feel is what they feel and there's nothing can be changed. You know, a lot of women I work with say, well, I don't have internal pleasure. So that's it. You know, that's how it is for me. And my whole thing is like, pleasure is a skill you can learn and your internal space, maybe you don't feel pleasure there because there's a lot of tension. Maybe you don't feel pleasure there because you've never really touched all these different spaces and listened to them, you know? There's lots of reasons why we don't have internal pleasure. So yeah, internal mapping can support that for sure. And it's such a great thing to learn and do for yourself regularly because then you get to know your body over time and you get a lot deeper transformation over a period of time than you would just going to see someone once. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love it. Why not just leave those untouched areas untouched? Why do we need to do this? You know, for me personally, I think it's really different for everyone, but for me personally, it was my first experience of this felt like a coming home to my body. It felt like a reclamation of myself. It felt like reaching parts inside of me that I didn't know existed, feeling sensations that I had no words for. And there was something about that that was just an incredible gift, you know, for my heart and for my being and for my confidence. And that massively impacted how I could show up in an intimate relationship. It helped me to be able to guide a partner to show them what I liked or what was enjoyable. It helped me feel more confident to speak up and say, actually, that's a little too fast or can we slow down a little or, oh, that actually hurts. Taking charge of our own bodies and discovering this world within us, I think, is incredibly empowering. And in a world where we are often taught to, at least, you know, for many heterosexual women, there can be this idea that sex is something you do for men or sex, you do it for your partner or your husband, or you should just, you know, just lie back and think of England or, you know, that whole thing, right? They're like, just do it for them. Or you don't feel like it, just do it anyway. Or your libido's low, just do it anyway. Or he wants it, so you should. And, and there's sometimes this like transactional idea around sex and all this like, well, yeah, I don't feel the pleasure. So what's the point? And my whole thing is like, well, there is a point because we can learn to feel more pleasure and we can reclaim that space and we can discover these like caves of joy and wonder and aliveness inside of us. And I'm especially obsessed with the cervix and its potential 
potential for pleasure and orgasm, which I think is not spoken about hardly at all. But yeah, it's just a, a pretty incredible practice on a lot of levels. So for someone listening who may be completely numb in that area and have gotten to the thought process of, well, that's just how it is for me, you're saying that there is hope, that they can awaken that area and experience pleasure beyond their wildest dreams. Yes. I think it is complicated because I don't want to tell people that it's going to be a certain way or be prescriptive in in their relationship with their body because it is unique. And some people will have, in very rare cases, there are medical conditions or anatomical abnormalities that would mean that someone would find it really hard to experience pleasure internally. But most of the time, and for you know many thousands of the women that I've worked with in my programs over the years, they have discovered that they could start off feeling very numb and disconnected and, and desensitized and not feeling a lot internally during their own self-pleasure or, or with a partner. And over time, learning a, a series of different skills and practices and, and tools and approaches over time, they have many of them learned to feel internal aliveness and pleasure and depth and connection. And it is really, I think the thing that's most important to remember is that this stuff is a relationship to cultivate. So in the same way that we have a relationship with our loved ones, we have a relationship with our friends, we have a relationship with our bodies and our health and our, you know, career and and all of that. Like this is a relationship to cultivate the relationship with your pleasure and your sexual self and your sensual self. And when we put energy and time into it, you know, over a period, as you would with any relationship, that is what supports it to shift. And it's important just to know that that it is possible. For years, I saw all this stuff on articles online and things that said like the clitoris is the purpose of the source of all pleasure, the only thing you should focus on. Most women can't experience any internal pleasure, so don't even bother trying And I thought I was one of those women, don't even bother trying. Okay. So I didn't for years. And it was, you know, as in my mid twenties, by the time I discovered, no, there is actually this whole world of pleasure here. And I was just told incorrect information and I was told to not bother. But actually when I started to focus on it, there was a lot there and and cultivating that as a relationship over time, I've noticed it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm, So beautiful. And it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong relationship. And feeling safe to explore within yourself is really important. And if you want to do it with a partner or a practitioner, but I know for me, I didn't do any of this until I felt safe with my husband. When we first got together, you know, that was the first relationship where I felt really safe to dive deep into this stuff. And I'm so glad I did because it's changed my life. And I didn't know the potential of pleasure that you can experience and depth of love that you can experience for yourself, for your own body, and that you get to share with your partner. And I share a lot about this in my book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships, and Soulful Sex. And I talk about a lot of this stuff. I talk about de-armoring, which is, you know, very similar to yoni mapping. Is that correct? Yeah. So I think they're both just words that can be used interchangeably. 
there is people who use the word de-armoring and do some really intense stuff and there's people who use the word de-armoring and are really gentle and slow. So it's, yeah, there's lots of words used, but generally they mean a similar thing, yeah. Okay. So I'm so curious, how did you get into all of this work? How did this happen for you? Well, I was, like I said, very numb for a long period of time. I didn't feel a lot generally when I first started being intimate with partners. And I wondered, is there something wrong with me? What's going on with my body? Maybe I'm broken. Maybe I'm just one of that large percent of women who can't experience internal pleasure, as I'd read in all these articles and things. And, you know, I just thought, well, there's probably no hope, but maybe I'll just like, sex is still nice. Like I feel intimacy and I feel connection and it's still kind of okay. Like it doesn't hurt. It's, it's enjoyable. It's nice. Maybe that's just how it is for me. Maybe I should just be happy with that. And then I met a partner who had been exploring neo-tantra and, you know, spiritual sexuality and, and had been to all kinds of different trainings. And he started to share with me that, you know, actually there's some other ways of looking at sexuality and pleasure and we can approach things more holistically. And what if you could learn these things? What if pleasure was a skill? And through that relationship, I really opened up a lot. And then after that, I received actually my first yoni massage from a practitioner, which blew my mind. I remember being high for days afterwards. Like I felt so enlivened and expanded and just like my heart was so open and I felt just so connected to myself on a level that I had never been before. And through that, it made me realize like this is important stuff. You know, we have been denied this relationship with our bodies or this knowledge or this wisdom. And from there, I just sought out all of the trainings that I could find. I I like to joke that I've done all the, the pelvic massage or vagina touching trainings that I could get my hands on or hands in. I've probably done maybe 10 different trainings over the years with all everyone I could find and got really obsessed with, with pelvic body work and, and pleasure and connection and orgasm and all of that. And it just really grew from there. And that's been my world for the last 10 years. What kind of things can we expect when we have done some yoni mapping or some healing in that area? I think for many women who I work with, there is a reclamation, a coming home to ourselves, a deeper sense of who we are and our place in the world getting to know this incredible space in our bodies, which helps us to know what we want in generally, but in an intimate setting as well, to feel more confident asking a partner for what we want, to feel more confident claiming our pleasure. And I think for me, the thing that is really important with pleasure, because sometimes people say, why are you so obsessed with pleasure? Isn't that just hedonistic or what's the point? And, you know, I'm all for pleasure for the sake of pleasure. I'm all for just what feels good for its own sake. I don't think we need to prove ourselves to be worthy of feeling good. But what I also know is that when I'm deeply connected to my body and my pleasure, I have more energy and capacity for people around me. I can show up 
more deeply in my relationship. I have more energy for my friends and to support people who are struggling. I feel more spacious with my work. I get things done more easily. I feel more relaxed. I'm not as likely to compare myself to other people or to judge myself. I'm feeling myself and my body from my internal awareness rather than constantly externalizing and judging and shaming and comparing, you know, which is something that I've fallen into a lot. And I know you have an amazing book about that. It's such a theme for women these days. And I feel like um, claiming our pleasure in our bodies and our pelvic space really helps us to find that center and that home within our bodies. And that can hugely support us to let go of the judging and the shaming and the comparing. So important. So important. You know, I've been on this journey for a long time. I started my awakening journey or my spiritual journey, whatever you want to call it, in 2010. And I've done a lot of healing my relationship with my body, you know, really moving past eating disorders and body dysmorphia and things like that. And I thought I'd gotten to a really great place of body acceptance and body love and body confidence and felt really good in myself. And then I gave birth and I have this next level love and appreciation and reverence and respect for my body now and my yoni. Like it's gone above and beyond anything I could have ever imagined. And I look at my body differently. I feel differently about my body. I feel differently about my yoni. Can people get to that place without having to give birth? (laughs) Can people get to that place of deep love, respect, and reverence for their body and their yoni through doing yoni mapping and this healing of the sexual trauma or any trauma that we've held in that area? Definitely. I mean, I think there is something that's very unique about bringing a baby through that portal of your body that will tap you into a sense of power and depth that is just very unique and its own whole thing. But, you know, I haven't experienced that. I haven't birthed a human through my body, but yet I do feel this sense of really deep connection and reverence and honoring. And I think, Part of it is, yes, there are things like yoni mapping, but what I'm interested in these days is a holistic approach where pelvic mapping is maybe one part of what you do, but it's also cultivating a relationship with your body, with your pleasure, finding ways to be current with your emotions, working with your trauma potentially with a therapist, or you know, if you feel like you've had experiences of sexual trauma specifically or birth trauma or any kind of traumatic experience, or even just like me, right? I have never been sexually abused, but I have had a lot of sex when I didn't feel like it. I've had a lot of sex when I wasn't fully consenting. I've had a lot of sex when I was younger, when I was really drunk and I was just, you know, completely overriding. So when we reclaim our bodies in all these various different ways, whatever that looks like for you, my approach is really movement, embodiment, self-touch, whole body sensitizing, engaging with pleasure in your life through the senses and through just enlivening experiences and then more sexual practice or practice involving the 
pelvis, which might be movement or cupping or holding or learning about it or touching it in various different ways externally and internally. And through all of this, it can definitely bring us into this space of honoring and reverence and deep respect and awe. I think awe is something that I feel a lot for my body and my pelvic space. And there are definitely times that I go into old patterns of self-judgment or shaming or comparison, but I know that what will always bring me out of that is to orient myself back to my own pleasure and my body and what I can feel and the delicious things I can feel rather than obsessing over what my body looks like and externalizing and you know all of that shaming and judging, which really gets in the way. Absolutely. And I think it's really important that we redefine our relationship with the word pleasure. You know, because a lot of people think pleasure is orgasm. And one of my beautiful best friends, Sally, she is like the queen of pleasure. And she finds pleasure in making a beautiful hot cacao and sipping it mindfully and eating raspberries and For her, that is pleasure. And I think we need to redefine what pleasure is for us and ask ourselves, how can we infuse more of that into our everyday life? Like, can you eat the vegan brownie with the most pleasure and really taste it and enjoy it and smile and have an experience and a moment with the chocolate brownie or whatever it is. But I think that's a really important piece is that we redefine our relationship with pleasure. What does pleasure mean for us? What does it look like for us? Because I can have pleasure with a vegan chocolate brownie. Absolutely. Like my husband, you know, looks at me and I'm just like, oh, and I'm smacking my lips and my eyes are closed and I'm enjoying every second of it. And you can see that I am in pure ecstasy. So do you think that that's a really important piece? Absolutely. I would say that's, that is the foundation of my work. A lot of people come to me saying, how do I have better orgasms? What thing do I buy? How do I put it in my vagina? What is the way that I stimulate myself to make the thing happen? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's take 12 steps back and look at your relationship to pleasure in your life. What brings you joy? What helps you to feel alive? Because I know for me, if I am feeling disconnected from my body all day, when it comes to the end of the day and I want to be intimate with my partner, I'm going to feel flat and uninspired and numb, right? But it's hard to just like turn it on if you felt disconnected from your pleasure and your body all day. But if throughout your day, you have all these little moments, like you said, the moment with the brownie or the appreciating a beautiful flower or smelling something delicious or looking into your partner's eyes or even just cuddling your kids. Like there's all these little moments or dancing. Of, of sensory experience, dancing, movement, like touching your own body. When you put your moisturizer on, do you just like slap it on or can you like really just take a moment to just enjoy it, right? And all of this is, there's a few things this does, right? It's our sensory experience anchors us in the present moment 
and pleasure happens in the present moment. And a lot of the time with sex, we're so out of the present moment. We're worried about what we look like. We're thinking about getting to the orgasm. We're wondering if our partner thinks we look weird. There's all of the stuff that gets in the way and we're missing out on that moment to moment experience of pleasure and bliss. So we need to train ourselves to do that throughout our days in our lives. And that is really the fundamental key to having deeper experiences of orgasm. Like, yes, there are things you can do with your genitals. Yes, there are techniques. Yes, yoni mapping is great. There's all of these other things. But really the thing that makes the most difference is exactly what you said, your relationship with pleasure in your day and in your life. Because every time you tap into that, your nervous system settles, right? You release a bit of stress, you feel more relaxed, you feel more open, you feel more connected, you anchor yourself in the present. And these are all tools that we need to have really deeply fulfilling intimacy and pleasure and sex with a partner. Yes, yes, yes. And you did mention something that I want to just highlight, and that is you know, when we're in the bedroom, we may be in our head thinking, what do I look like? Oh my gosh, is he looking at this fat roll? And, you know, we're very in our head. And I think another way to really experience pleasure is to get out of your head and and into your body. And so doing whatever it is for you that helps you get out of your head and back into your body, whether that is, you know, some of the things we've mentioned before, dancing or beautiful self-love massage, whatever it is. And I think that's a really important piece is that we get out of our head and back into our body. And another thing that you mentioned that I wanted to highlight because it's not something that I want to skip over. And you and I are very similar. Like I haven't had sexual trauma. However, there has been times where I have been with a partner and I was like, oh, I can't really be bothered or I don't really want to, but I'll just do it anyway. And that is not a full body consent. And when you make love in that way with not a full body consent, you have to remember that your cells know, your body knows that you have not given a full body consent here and your cells know that. And so even if you haven't had sexual trauma, if you have gone along with something or like you said, maybe had sex when you were drunk or something like that, that gets stored in our womb and we need to release that quote unquote trauma, you know, whatever it is, a bit of numbness, a bit of emotion there, and we need to release that. And so that's why this work is so important for all of us. Definitely. And it's so much about trusting, cultivating a relationship of trust with your body, right? If if my body doesn't trust that I will say, actually, no, I'm not, I don't feel like that today, or I need to go slower, or actually I am in pain. If my body doesn't trust that I will advocate for it, then how will my body trust me to open up to really deep, delicious, expansive, whole body, sensual pleasure? I think it's important to differentiate with pleasure. Like, sure, there are ways you can have a really quick orgasm. You know, like I know that I could get a vibrator, jam it on my clitoris, and within two minutes, I'd have a quick orgasm, right? If that's what I wanted. But I know that. There's a depth of pleasure that you can experience 
that comes from a more relaxed state, that comes from that state of self-trust, that comes from that opening and deep surrender and, and really connection with yourself or with a partner. And trust is the absolute key to that. And that is why, like you said, that consent is so important that we don't override our bodies, that we see this as I'm drawing a line in the sand. Yes, there are times I didn't listen to my body. Yes, there are times I was overriding for the sake of someone else's pleasure or because I didn't think I deserved to have my needs met, but that changes now and I'm finding a new path forward. And sure, it's going to be awkward. And sure, it might there might be some stuff that comes up in the future and it could be challenging, but it's important. And when we do that, our body hears that our body can trust us more. And through that trust, we are rewarded with so much pleasure and depth and intimacy and aliveness and richness. Mm, Delicious. And I think it really comes down to as well, trusting obviously yourself and also trusting your partner and practicing what I call crystal clear communication, CCC. And that get strengthened the more we do it. So the more you practice crystal clear communication outside the bedroom, the easier it is going to be to practice inside the bedroom. Maybe you need to say, hey, honey, I'm in my head right now. I just need a little bit more time to get into my body. I need to go a little bit slower. Can we do a little bit more massage and touch? Things like that. And I think the more that we practice crystal clear communication outside the bedroom, the easier it is going to be for us to build that confidence to practice inside the bedroom. Right. And that's, I'm so glad you said that. And it's such an interesting thing because it comes up a lot with my work where people think that with sex, it's supposed to just magically be easy that it's supposed to just magically feel good, that if it's not completely flowing between you and your partner for any reason, it means there's something wrong with you and you're doing it wrong. Whereas actually, like you said, we need to practice that crystal clear communication. And in intimacy, sure, you can communicate through your body, right? You can show your body opening to receive something pleasurable and your body closing or pushing away when something doesn't feel good. And there's the verbal communication that happens in the bedroom, like, hey, can we do a little more of this or I need that or this isn't working for me. But then there's the communication that happens outside the bedroom. And we can do that, obviously, in all areas of our relationship. But I also really think it's important to talk about sex outside of the bedroom and to take the pressure off it, you know, to talk about it when you're not naked and vulnerable and feeling really emotional about this thing, but to just sit down and have a cup of tea and say, hey, can we have a little chat about what we're exploring sexually? Not because something's wrong or someone needs to do something or you need this feedback or I have to tell you the list of things that I want, but hey, who are you as a sexual being and how can I support you to deepen into more of that? And what would you love to explore in the bedroom that we're not exploring and how can we do that? It's coming from this place of wonder and curiosity and and a desire for intimacy rather than there's a problem that has to be fixed that we need to do something about. And then when we can have a conversation from that place of curiosity, we might discover all kinds of things about our partner and their desires and interests that we may not have known otherwise. And I think bringing playfulness 
back into the bedroom is really important. Bringing lightness and playfulness is really, really important. And having regular check-ins, like you said, not when you're naked in between the sheets, but outside the bedroom and saying, hey, are you happy with how things are going? Is there anything you'd like me to do differently or try? How are you feeling about it? Because I know a lot of people, you kind of get into habits and routines and you kind of have a flow of how things usually map out. And I can say at the time of recording this, my husband and I have been together for almost eight years and we are so deeply, passionately in love and committed to each other and our pleasure. And it gets better and better and better and better. And after just birthing our daughter, well, me birthing the daughter, Nick was there, obviously. But going through that experience together has taken us to another level of love that I didn't even know was possible. Having him be my rock during that experience and then the way that he showed up for me on that day and then the way that he showed up for me afterwards, I am like, you are my hero. When he says to me, you're my hero, but I'm like, no, no, you're my hero. And just, I look at him through a completely different lens now. And it's so beautiful. The love and the reverence that I have for him has gone to a deeper level that I didn't know was even possible. And I know, and I've heard this from my friends and from strangers on Instagram, they'll reach out to me and they'll say how their relationship has changed after having a child. Sometimes it's next level amazing, like, you know, it has been for Nick and I. And sometimes They haven't made love for one or two or three years. And I'm not joking. Like it's been years. And I'm sure you have seen different scenarios in your clinic. So talk to us about sex after babies. Yeah, I really, I know that that story with the way that it can get deeper and deeper and also the way that you can become more and more separate. And of course, having a baby completely changes your world. And that baby becomes the center of your family in a lot of ways and has a lot of needs and there's a lot going on. It's a lot to adjust to. And of course, as the birthing person of the woman, there's, you know, your body needs to go through a healing process. And it's important that when you are physically healed enough, you know, when you're able to have sex without pain, that even though it's awkward, even though your body may have changed, even though it's maybe been a few months, that you find ways to reconnect intimately. And that doesn't need to be penetration straight away, right? It can be just touching and connecting. It could be just making out like teenagers, right? It could be, like you said, bringing that playfulness and that passion in various ways. It could be oral pleasure. It could be sensual massage. But finding ways to reconnect because it can very easily, like three months can turn into six, can turn into a year, can turn into three years or five years. And I saw a statistic a while ago that it was saying like something like 20% of people in relationship, maybe it was from the US, 20% of people in relationship are in completely sexless relationships. Whoa, how many? 20%? 20%. And I don't know exactly if it was, I think it was a US stat, but it's there are a large percentage of people in relationship who never have sex. And sure, there are a small percentage of those 
are people who are asexual, right? People who just are not sexual beings who for whatever reason, don't have that orientation where they actually desire sex, right? And that's very valid. But that would be a very small percentage compared to the amount of people who actually do desire sex, but feel like, oh, it's been so long. How could we get back there? Or I just feel so disconnected or my body's completely changed and I have so much judgment of that. How could I ever completely let go again in the bedroom or what if my partner thinks I'm disgusting or you know there's so much stuff that comes up around it and I think it's just it is awkward and it is sticky and challenging and there are conversations to have that might be uncomfortable but through that discomfort comes connection and intimacy and clarity and depth and and knowing each other on a deeper level and I don't know I wouldn't want to live a life without feeling intimate pleasure with a partner. I, I know that for some people that's that's fine, but for me that's it's so important and I can't imagine not having that. And yeah, I think it is it is just like I said, a relationship to prioritize over time and going through the rockiness and the awkwardness is part of it. And and coming out the other side is pretty incredible. I've seen so many hundreds of women come out the other side of long periods of disconnection with a partner, just like oh, it feels so good to just reconnect and to to talk about this stuff and to name the elephant in the room and to step deeper into their intimate lives together. Because like you said, it can just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Absolutely. And, you know, if you are listening to this and you are in a relationship like that and you're genuinely okay with that, that is great for you. Like if you're genuinely happy with that, but I know I'm the same as you. I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could just put that on the table. I mean, I'm sure I could, but it's so much fun. You know, it's so much fun. So I'm like, you know, I want to, I want that. I love that. It's fun. And it's, it brings me so much joy and play and you know, the way that Nick and I interact, it's very playful and it's very light and we just, yeah, really have a good time. And I think if that's something that you want, then you can definitely have that and achieve that. Yeah. And it does take a bit of work and a, or a bit of effort, but it doesn't need to be work. It can also be play, right? It can be joyful and inspiring. And when it comes from this place of, not from a place of, I have all these problems I need to fix, or we have these issues we need to fix. But when it comes from a place of like, I really love this person and I want to be with them into the future. How can we cultivate a deeply nourishing, intimate relationship that feeds us for years to come? You know, then it's an inspiring journey rather than an issue to deal with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like the more and more you sweep something under the carpet, the pile under the carpet just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And soon it's just going to explode out the sides. So the more we can address, like you said, that elephant in the room and not sweep things under the carpet, the quicker that we can do that, the better for everybody, the better for you, for your relationship, for your children, if you have children, better for everyone once we just address what is right in front of us. Absolutely. Bonnie, I'd love to hear what is pleasure for you right now in your life? I am having at the moment like the most delicious intimacy in relationship 
than I ever have. And I'm just loving opening into that deeper and deeper. I've had a big journey of my relationship with myself and through my work that you know, and I love connecting with pleasure on my own and the pleasure that I get from engaging with my senses and my body. But there's something about my relationship with my partner, the way that he holds me, the way that we relate, where I can really drop into some very deep, expansive, surrendered, kind of almost cosmic spaces that connect me very deeply to who I am, that take me to places within myself I've never been. And I'm really, I'm really experiencing that what you said that that how relationship can just get deeper and deeper and it's a place where you know I can kind of say wow I'm having the best sex of my life and then a few days later be like no this is the best sex of my life and then whoa no it just can get better and better and I love that when we put energy into this as a couple, when we prioritize this part of our relationships, there we are discovering new worlds within ourselves and each other, you know, regularly, multiple times a week. And that's really deeply nourishing me at the moment. Beautiful. And what are you working on or would like to work on or improve within yourself at the moment? Hmm. I have a longer term like I have body image challenges or body image stuff that comes up. And I know that um, orienting to pleasure and focusing on how my body feels and treating my body with love and moving my body in ways that feel nourishing is really supportive. But I also know sometimes that sneaky voice can creep in, especially having been in Melbourne lockdown for a lot of time, just that a lot of us gain weight in lockdown and just that self-judgment thing that definitely rears its ugly head sometimes. So that's something that I'm navigating at the moment and that comes up from time to time. And I'm just very grateful to have the tools that I have and the, the practices that I have and the orientation to the body that really makes the biggest difference with that. Yeah. And you have the awareness. And once we have the awareness, we can then shift. Exactly. Yeah. For someone listening who would love to start, where do they start? Like they might be thinking, okay, what do I do? Do I grab myself a wand? Do I seek out a practitioner? Where can people start who may want to explore some of this yoni mapping themselves and diving deeper within their own experience. Mm. So I would recommend, first of all, focusing on learning about your own body for yourself. So I wouldn't generally dive right into seeing a practitioner if you're unfamiliar with this work, because there may not be someone in your area, there may not be someone completely trustworthy in your area, and it is a bit of a gray area and a minefield and an unregulated industry. So you could seek out a practitioner in your area and see what you find and see if they come recommended and that kind of thing. But I think there is a a lot of power and depth in claiming this for yourself. So there are various trainings. There are trainings that I offer around this. You can have a look on my website or Google me, follow people on Instagram or on social media who teach about this work and learn from them and see if there are trainings or programs that speak to you. I think a lot of the time I talk to a lot of people who are just like, right, what one do I buy and how do I do the thing? And I'm a little bit against what I 
generally called vaginal consumerism. And that is the idea that we just need to buy lots of different products for our vaginas because we then don't always learn how to use them. And really, a lot of people are not at a point yet where they would be comfortable doing internal work on themselves, right? Or receiving from a practitioner. I think what a lot of people need before that is to reconnect with pleasure and their bodies and reconnect with sensual movement and devotional touch and learn about their pelvis and how it moves and and their anatomy and that kind of thing before they go into like putting things inside them in various ways you know so it is really a unique exploration and it's really about finding something that works for you but there are a lot of wonderful people in the industry there's some great books out there that you can find that will help you to get to know yourself on a deeper level and understand your pleasure anatomy and how it all works and yeah it's an exciting beautiful journey to go on and the the most important thing to remember is that pleasure is a skill you can learn and if you prioritize this over time it will create shifts in your life i also want to recommend a women's pelvic floor physio because that's something that I explored whilst I was pregnant and I went and saw, uh, yeah, an amazing, they specialize in women and I went and saw her before I gave birth and she did a full pelvic floor assessment on me and then I gave birth and then she gave me a full pelvic floor assessment, I think it was six or seven weeks postpartum and she gave me the all clear to make love again. And she actually told us what to do. You know, she said, the aim is not orgasm here, guys. We want to be really slow and really gentle and it may feel different. And so she kind of like coached us through how to get back in the game, so to speak. But I just wanted to also recommend women's pelvic floor physios you know, if you're pregnant or just if you feel like that would be supportive for you and there's someone that you trust and there's someone that comes highly recommended, then that's another thing that you could look at. And you also mentioned some books. You said there's so many books out there. What are some of your favorite books that you would recommend on this topic? Hmm. I would love to write my own book on this because I feel like there aren't enough books that go into the deeper internal and especially cervical pleasure. But there are some Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski is a great book. Vagina by Naomi Wolf. People really love like Pussy A Reclamation by Mama Gina. There are, if you even just look in the kind of sex education or sexuality section of online bookstores, you'll see all the different things pop up and see what speaks to you. I know Chantal Otten, who's an Australian sexologist, she has a book coming out right now, actually. I think it's, you can pre-order it now. I think it's called Sex Ed. Yeah, it's really finding people that speak to you as well. I think you should definitely write a book, honey, for sure. I would love to put it on the list. (laughs) I'm amazed at people like you who just like could somehow create all these amazing books. Oh, yes. It does take work, that's for sure, but it's so much fun. And I think your words definitely need to be out there. And speaking of books, if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, 
what book would you choose? Think 16, 17, 18-year-olds, like one book. And it doesn't have to be related to this. It could be any topic, but just one book that you would recommend. I actually recently read Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, and that blew my mind. And I feel like with teenagers these days and the how looped in we all are to technology, I think having some of the tools in that book, if I were a teenager today, would be pretty useful. I've had Cal on my podcast. I saw that. Yeah, go and listen to that. I've also had Emily Novosky on my podcast too. So go and listen to those two episodes. They're incredible. And I totally agree with you. That book is amazing. And do you know what really is amazing about Cal? is like he has no social media and he's a New York Times bestselling author. It's insane. And he's young, right? Like he's 30 something. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got two kids. And in the episode, I spoke to him about what does he do with his kids? And, you know, we were joking that our children aren't getting phones until they're 50. And he's like, no, no, but seriously. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, no, seriously as well. Like I'm being dead serious too. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of children, I have recently had a daughter and this work is so important. You know, I look at her this perfect little miracle, pure, unconditional love. And I look at her body and I think, what are some ways that I can really instill body positivity in her? And what are some ways that I can support her to grow up feeling really confident and comfortable in her own skin? And what keeps coming back to me is be the example. Be the example. Do you have any other advice or wisdom for mothers out there or fathers that are listening that you would say to them to inspire them to walk their talk for their children? Or do you have any words of wisdom for anyone listening so that we can help that next generation? I think you're completely on it. It is be the example. Children learn from how you are, not what you say. And if they feel an incongruence between how you are, if they feel that you're shaming or judging your own body or they feel that you're disconnected from your sexuality, but meanwhile you're saying to them, oh, sure, you can touch your body and it's okay and you're not shaming or judging them or you're saying like your body is powerful and strong and it's, you know, like look how strong you are and it's healthy and it's beautiful to touch yourself, but they're not feeling that you live according to that, then yeah, they can tap into that and they know what's going on. So it really is about doing your own work, not just once, not just reading a book or doing a thing once, but committing over time. If you feel like many of us, right, we were raised in a culture where there is a lot of sexual shame, where there is a lot of disconnection, where we are very much looped into technology and out of our bodies a lot of the time and in a lot of chronic stress patterns. So it is really up to us to do what we can regularly to reconnect to our bodies, our hearts, our emotions, our pleasure, our sensitivity, our connection, our intimacy with ourselves and others over time in our lives regularly into the future. And I think that is having a parent with a regulated nervous system who deeply takes care of of their body and their sexual self and their pleasure. I cannot imagine what that would be like, but it sounds like it would be pretty wonderful. 
And I think it's really important as well that we look at our conditioning and our default and our programming. So when I first got with my husband, he has a son, so I have a bonus son. And when I first came into their life, he was seven years old. He's yeah now 15. And I remember one of the first times that he saw me naked. And I remember quickly grabbing the towel and going almost like slamming the door and like covering myself up. And when Leo walked out of the room, I remember Nick said, we don't do that here. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, you don't do that. Like, you know, I had watched my parents slam the door. Oh my God, get out quick. Oh my God, shut the door. Don't look at me. You know, that sort of thing. Oh, it's rude. It's naughty. It's dirty. You know, those sorts of words. So I had grown up with that conditioning. And so my first experience of parenting was with my stepson. And I immediately slipped into that default without even being aware of it. And it wasn't until Nick shone the light back on that for me that he said, no, no, we don't, we don't do that. Like, I want to inspire Leo to be really confident and comfortable in his own skin. So let him see you naked. If you feel comfortable with that, Melissa, like, you know, of course, if you don't feel comfortable, you just close the door and lock it when you're having a shower. It's easy. But, you know, it really got me thinking. And I would look at Nick standing strong and proud in front of Leo completely naked and like it was nothing, like it was absolutely nothing. He'd be brushing his teeth completely naked and Leo's just standing there chatting away to his dad and looking up at him and it really did shine light on something for me and that was the fact that if we don't have awareness and if we don't do the reprogramming, you will slip into defaults of how you were raised and Maybe that's awesome and you want to parent that way. But I know for me, I want to instill body confidence and body positivity. And so I had to reprogram that. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's just a matter of prioritizing it in your life over time and noticing like you said, having awareness of the shame or the weirdness or the hiding your body and feeling like, does this feel true to me? Is this what I want to show my children? Is this is this how I want to be in the world? And if not, then what would feel better? What would feel more right for me? Exactly. I think that's, you know, with all parenting, if you don't say to yourself and actually sit down and prioritize and go, well, how do I want to parent? And what feels good for me and us and our family unit? If you don't take that time, you just in default, you're just in playing out your own patterns or your own trauma. And I know that for Nick and I, especially before Bambi was born, we did so much work around this and we sat a lot and we spoke about how do we want to parent? And we wrote out our family principles and we actually created like a little emblem, like you know how schools have emblems and and things like that. We created our own family principles and it's really beautiful. And we check back in with those and we make sure that we're living in accordance to those. And once Bambi gets older and can start to talk, you know, we will share these with her and express the importance of them to her. You know, I'm sure she'll love them. So I just wanted to touch on that because I think it's really important. Mm, Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. That's so inspiring and and yeah imagine if imagine if everyone did that 
Mm, Exactly. And it's just a matter of making it a priority and making you and your family and your health and your growth a priority. And that's what we do. You know, Nick and I have a meeting tomorrow. Today, as we record, this is a Friday, and we've got a two-hour meeting when Bambi sleeps tomorrow, which is a life check-in. And we go through every area of our life. It's in our calendar. And we'll go through every area and we're like, okay, are you happy with how this is flowing? Are you happy with how this is flowing? And we go through all of our different businesses. Are you happy with this? You know, is there anything we can remove? Is there anything we can add? And we're just basically doing a full life check-in of every area of our life tomorrow for two hours while Bambi sleeps. And it's such a beautiful thing to do. Otherwise, it's just, you're just going through the motions. Mm. And that's, you know, like Cal Newport talks about that high quality leisure time, right? Like what are you choosing in your life? And yes, you can default to just watching hours of Netflix and that might be nice for a little while, but then there comes a point where you're like, hey, I want to be doing something else with my time or I want to be living in more alignment with what I believe and what even is that and what does that look like? And that does take, like you said, reflecting on it and talking about it and navigating it and making those little incremental changes regularly over time. And, you know, it's awkward and uncomfortable sometimes letting go of old habits, but very, very worthwhile, right? 100%. Bonnie, I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day, what you do in your morning routine and how your day looks. Can you talk us through a quote unquote typical day in your life? And I know it's very different right now because you are currently in lockdown, but kind of give us a little rundown of what your days are like and all your little routines and rituals. (laughs) Well, I love to do nonlinear movement in the morning. I've trained in nonlinear movement with Michaela Bowen and I have a little daily practice I do around that, which is about becoming current in my body, just being with my emotions and what's moving in me and my physical body, noticing any tension or stuckness or openness or whatever's there, just giving myself a little, little bit of space to feel hey body, hey self, where are you right now? What's going on? Okay, that's what's happening. So that's something I love to start with. And at the moment, I'm going for walks in the morning a lot of the time and just wandering through the bush around the corner from my house. And I'm lucky to live near a beautiful bush reserve. I'm on the edge of Melbourne, so it's not big city space and there are kangaroos in there and it's all pretty lovely. So that really helps me. I love just connecting with nature and being in being in those spaces this morning, I was sitting on the bench there in the bush reserve and there were just magpies hopping all around and doing their thing. And yeah, that really sets me up for the day. And I do most of my work in the morning if I can. I just get into the the promotion and the programs and whatever I'm working on. It just that's my screen time usually. And then in the afternoons, I will sometimes see coaching clients or work on larger, more creative projects. But yeah, it is a little out of the normal routine at the moment. It's kind of hard to imagine like, wow, if I could do anything, what would my day look like? And I do miss back before COVID, I used to do a lot of I no longer do body work sessions, but I used to teach a lot of live retreats and workshops. And since, you know, in the last 18 months, my work has all gone online and that has been 
amazing for my business and my life in so many ways. And I love it. And I don't think I will go back to live events as much as I love them, but I do also miss that in-person work. So a lot of the time is just me and a computer. And sometimes that does get lonely or awkward, but I also really enjoy connecting with people through that. And I do my little, my movement practices and my nature time and my, yeah, really trying to nourish myself with healthy food and just go gently and have lots of rest and reading time and that kind of thing. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah, I used to do lots of speaking events and live events, and I truly miss being able to hug people in person and doing that live event. And I think, oh, will we ever get back? And then I think, well, even if we do, we probably won't be able to hug anyway. Mm, Yeah, yeah, at least for a while. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll be hugging. I'm like, I yeah, (laughs) I love hugs. Mm, Yeah, me too. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm so glad that you have got nature right there on your doorstep to just soak that up and breathe that in. That's really important. Yeah. Okay. I have three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yes. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Go outside, put your feet on the ground and look at a tree for five minutes. Beautiful. I love it. And it's free and easy and we can all do it. Mm-hmm. What's one thing that we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Mm. For wealth, I think the biggest thing that makes a difference for me is tracking it, just watching it, (laughs) keeping an eye on it, watching it move, watching it grow and watching where you lose it, where it flows out or where, where you might be you know, sometimes I don't fully keep on, on top of where my money's actually going. And then I kind of look back and go, whoa, I actually did quite a bit of online shopping last week. <laughs> and did I really need those things? And actually, what am I choosing to spend my money on? And yeah, so tracking it, I think is the big one. I think the barefoot investor, he calls that the alpaca strategy or the alpaca approach, which is like how they bury their heads in the sand. And I know a lot of people, they bury their heads in the sand when it comes to finances and money and wealth creation. And we do need to take our head out of the sand and look at it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And regularly, right? It's a relationship. It's the same as relating with pleasure or or creating deeper intimacy as a relationship, creating wealth or earning more money is is an ongoing relationship. Absolutely. And last one, what is one thing we can do for more love in our life? Connect with your own heart, your breasts, if you have breasts or your chest area and regularly touch it, put some oil on that area and just give yourself a little massage and feel your heart and feel your your desires and your longings and your yearnings and, and let those all be there in the smushy deliciousness of your heart. Oh, beautiful. That is actually one thing I haven't done since giving birth. I give myself a full body self-love massage most mornings, but I stay away from the breast area now because Bambi is on there and she's touching it. And so I, I haven't been doing that as much. Yeah, you just reminded me that I haven't been doing that, but I can definitely do it. I just need to do it and then leave it on for a bit and then maybe have a shower. But yeah, because I want her to be able to really smell me and not have oil all over her. Yeah. And your breasts, I think breastfeeding, some people can get a bit touched out in that area. Just kind of like, I don't actually want to touch my breast that much because they're being so touched all the rest of the time. Yes. It's such a beautiful thing. I 
had no idea how much I would love breastfeeding. I really love it. It's very beautiful and intimate and yeah, it's very special. So, but I love that. Let's uh, get some oil and touch our chest area. Yes. Okay, Bonnie, is there anything else that you want to share? Is there any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to speak about that we haven't covered? Hmm. I think the main thing to remember with all of this is that pleasure is a learnable skill. You can claim it for yourself. You can create space for it in your life. And really to look at the areas in which you believe you don't deserve to feel good or the parts of you where you feel you don't deserve pleasure or the parts of your life where other things take over or you kind of minimize your pleasure or you have a plan to to do some kind of beautiful self-care thing and then you end up doing something for someone else at that time. Just watching that really carefully and seeing how can I show up for myself? Because when I prioritize my pleasure, I am a more generous, present, loving, connected human for myself and for my loved ones. And actually, it's an incredible gift that you can give to your family and your community and the people around you to be deeply connected to yourself and to not be living life on autopilot or just in a fog of numbness or I get a lot of like brain fog sometimes when I'm in that place of disconnection. You know, if you notice that coming up, if you notice there's a lot of stress or anxiety or tension or exhaustion or numbness, could you let pleasure be a resource for you in this time? And what would that look like to you? And that could be journaling, sitting down and exploring, how could I bring more pleasure into my world? What would that look like? And as you focus on it, you'll find all kinds of wonderful and beautiful ways to do that. And feel free to reach out to me if you would like more inspiration. Mm, Beautiful. And we'll link to your website and all of your goodness in the show notes. And I just wanted to thank you so much for not only being here with us today and sharing all of your wisdom with us today, but for all the work that you do in the world, you are helping so many people. And I'm so grateful that our paths have crossed. And I want to know what I and the listeners can do to give back and serve you today. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you. It's such a joy to share this work. So it doesn't doesn't feel like work a lot of the time. I don't know. Can you give an, an example of what you mean? I mean, people could come and follow you or whatever feels good for you. Like how can we just show up for you and how can we give back to you and how can we serve you? Mm. I would love people to follow me on Instagram. I quite love sharing there about what's moving and sharing little bits of inspiration, but more love and more people over there is always a joy. Absolutely. And we'll link to that in the show notes. And I am so glad that we got to have this conversation And we dove deep into it. And I just want to thank you so much for being here and sharing with us today. Thank you so much. It was such a joy to chat with you and, yeah, have this conversation. Don't forget to head to comparisonitis.com to get your copy of my latest book and all the free goodies that go with it. I cannot wait for you to read it and to hear what you think. I loved this conversation. I got so much out of it. 
And I feel really inspired to take my relationship to the next level, practice crystal clear communication even more so with my beloved and see what happens. So I hope you got a lot out of it too. And if you did, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will pop up automatically like magic in your feed so that you never have to go searching for an episode. Now, please come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode. I absolutely love hearing from you. So please come and share your key takeaways with me. And before I go, I wanted to say thank you so much for being here for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of, maybe your partner, who would benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.